Hey guys, Rick here. Uh, real quick before we jump into the preview, I, I was all done recording the DFS preview. I was getting it ready to upload and all that good stuff. And I was just checking my email and I got smacked in the face with an email uh, that I could not resist. And I had to come back and re-record a part of this because we had a member of the Rick Run Good community win a million bucks. Uh, I don't know if he wants to be named. We'll call him Brinks Kepka because the Brinks truck absolutely backed up to his place on Sunday. Uh, not only a million in the Mega Millie, the $1.3 million in total. Uh, absolutely stoked. Obviously, congratulations are in order. And it's always good, you know, someone who's using the tools and I've exchanged emails back and forth about uh, just like strategy and, uh, you know, hey, can you add this, add this to the site? Like things like that. That's, it's, it's really uh, fulfilling and rewarding, obviously for the person who wins, but also for me too, right? Like I like this. This is um, the second millionaire maker winner that has come out of the Rick Run Good community, which is Awesome. I love it. Uh, don't spend it all in one place, but I could not let this video go out without the shout out. Uh, congratulations. And hopefully someone does it again soon. All right. DFS preview. What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Charles Schwab challenge. But before we jump into that, what a week from Phil Mickelson. What a week from the Ocean Course. Just an absolute awesome event that we had at the PGA Championship. I don't think I have anything negative to say. It was really special. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did, and I know there were uh, plenty of people who had exposure to Phil Mickelson, who had Phil Mickelson tickets. I've I've been impressed with the way that he's been trending. I certainly didn't think he could win the PGA Championship, but uh, things had been improving for Phil, and I know a lot of you uh, took advantage of it. So congratulations. A couple I'd like to shout out in particular. Uh, Luis sent me a message. He turned his 25-cent quarter entry, in quarter arcade entry, into $100, finished seventh in that contest, which I think is a really good example of just it doesn't matter what the stakes are, right? We're looking at ROI. We're looking at constantly building uh, the best lineups that we can. Luis mentioned that he used uh, the lineup builder, which is which is always exciting to hear. So congratulations uh, and and continue to build on that bankroll. And then Kenny, you know, lived that single entry life, won fifty six hundred dollars, including finishing third in the one hundred dollar single entry. And again, I like to just point out a couple of really good examples. Whether it's small stakes, whether it's large stakes, uh, there is success to be had whether there is uh, an opportunity to just play single entries, right? Those are my favorite types of contests as well. So uh, congratulations to those winners from last week. And then also, uh, I, I said I'd give away subscriptions to rickrungood.com, and I've done just that. Michelle Watson and Clint, congratulations. I've already reached out to you guys to get you set up for your subscription to rickrungood.com. And if you want to also be entered into a draw to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it. Uh, first, if you're here on YouTube, leave a comment below with who you think is going to win the Charles Schwab Challenge. Make sure you're subscribed and make sure you like the video. It's that simple. If you want another entry and a 
an entry with better odds, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. It's in the description as well. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice. Leave me your Twitter handle so that I can get in touch with you when you do win. Um, all the tools that you see are available at my site. It's rickrungood.com. It's tools and data only. I don't post picks. I don't do anything like that. And um, this week might be a little light. You know, weeks after the major a major championship, I try to relax a little bit. It's always a little bit crazy. So I'm not sure if I'll do sleepers and fades this week, but there certainly will be DFS preview betting preview, live chats on Wednesday. And if, if, if I do skip the fades and the sleepers, uh, we can go through those on the Wednesday live chat as well. So still plenty of stuff to come, but going to try to recharge and knock some things off of my list. Okay. I think that about covers the housekeeping items. Let's jump into the DFS preview. All right, let's talk about the course. Colonial Country Club, an absolute staple on the PGA Tour. The uh, I believe it's the longest running regular PGA Tour stop. The only one that dates back uh, further that I believe is still on the schedule is Augusta National. So uh, this has been around for like 75 years. It means we've got the the great cor- the uh, great correlation model, which we'll get to in just a second. And, um, it, you know, it's going to probably play in that 15 to 20 under par, maybe somewhere in the mid-teens. That's probably going to end up be your, being your winning score. I think it is a really uh, fair challenge, right? You've, you've, got a, you've got greens that are a little bit on the smaller side, averaging only 5,000 square feet. Uh, it's a par 70, 7,200 yards. We've seen some of the uh, shorter hitters have success here. You know, you don't have to be a bomber to have success at Colonial. We've seen Kevin Na win. We've seen Kevin Kisner win. We've seen uh, Daniel Berger, not particularly long, but he is, uh, is great in all facets. And remember, this is the event that brought back golf last year. Uh, 91-day break. This was the first event back, and the the strength of field was amazing. Uh, If you remember... At the time, this was the strongest field ever for a non-major championship. Uh, it was, I believe, subsequently beat the following week. The first three back, the first three weeks back last year were some of the strongest fields we had in regular PGA Tour events. So when you're looking back at some of the course history, some of the tournament history, remember that field was absolutely stacked last year. So I think it actually makes some of the the results and some of the guys who who played well. Even more impressive. Bentgrass Greens out there. And of course, we're back in Texas this week. And while I mentioned, you know, there is a lot of great data for Colonial because we've played it every single year. There's not really one standout stat, which is kind of I I remember feeling this last year, right? I mean, I, I, I. had this same feeling last year, which is why a lot of us got on Daniel Berger, is because you, you kind of need to have a complete all-around game around Colonial. So the first stat that shows up in the model is strokes gained around the green, but it's basically an average stat when you compare it to the other courses on the PGA Tour. Strokes gained putting is second, but again, we're talking about it ranking 35th out of 50. There's not that one stat that stands out that says, okay, strokes gained approach, fourth, right? There, That doesn't exist this week. So it leads me to believe that this is a course, um, and I I felt this last year as well, you need to have a solid all-around game. That's how Daniel Berger got it done. Remember, he beat Colin Morikawa in a playoff, and there were no fans out there, obviously. Um, So if we're kind of looking for some of these all-around players, you know, I'm just going to sort this by... um, the last 24 rounds, and I'm going to just sort by strokes gain total, but then we're going to kind of look at guys that might be gaining across the board. 
All right, so Abraham Answer, the number one player in the last 24 rounds, also just flew up the leaderboard on Sunday, shot a 65 at the Ocean Course. Phenomenal stuff. And uh, he's not technically gaining in all four categories. He's a small loser around the green. Jordan Spieth would be the first guy that is technically gaining in all four, although he's a a small positive off the tee. I'm kind of looking for someone, honestly, more like Charlie Hoffman, who's gaining at least... uh, 1500 what is that 1500 0.15 uh strokes per round in all four categories so that's what he's doing that's a pretty good sign coke rack kind of up there i'm just trying to look for guys that okay matt wallace would be a good one too you know matt wallace same as charlie hoffman if we use 0.15 as the the minimum wallace would be gaining at least that many strokes in all categories reed is close but doesn't technically hit that tony finau does uh, Tringale very close doesn't technically hit it so you can go through and you can sort this I, I just think you're going to need again a solid all-around game uh, the ability to get up and down is going to be critical the ability to take advantage of of finding the fairway um, then you know the, again small greens you're going to miss them so you're going to have to lean on either throwing a ton of darts or being able to get up and down uh, with some stress-free pars when you do eventually miss so you can go through and you can sort this but the theme of the week I think for me all-around game you don't need to rely on distance. I mean, Abraham Answer, of course, is on the top of this list, and I think he's going to be popular this week uh, for all of those reasons. The cheat sheet. Here it is. Jordan Spieth leads the way at 11,200. He's one of five golfers over 11, or excuse me, over $10,000. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Spieth has been. I'm much better than I think people want to give him credit for. Of course, um, you know, he had the 30th place finish at the PGA, didn't play particularly well, but hey, there's a lot of guys who missed the cut. There's a lot of guys who struggled a lot worse than he did. Um, coming off of the great finish at the Byron Nelson, of course, the, the win at the Valero a couple of weeks ago or a couple of starts ago for him. And his history is pretty much unmatched here at Colonial. You know, he's played every year since 2013. He's never missed a cut. Uh, He only has one finish outside the top 15. Yeah, he finished 32nd in 2018. Besides that, 7th, 14th, runner-up, win, runner-up, that 32nd. 8th, and then last year, 10th. So, I mean, it's it's a great spot for him. He's playing well. He's going to be popular. He's well-deserved to be the most expensive player on the slate. And then JT, I think, is, is probably the most interesting. So let's pull up um, his holy grail here and go through some of his recent tournaments because he missed the cut last week, but it wasn't a really ugly missed cut. I mean, there were guys who I would argue played worse than, than Justin Thomas did. He misses the cut on the number. Uh, he essentially doesn't lose more than a stroke in any category. Now, it's unfortunate because he was average with his irons. That's something that we don't normally see from him. He actually putted okay. He putted to a slightly positive, less than less than one. Um, so that should have been a week that, that JT should have taken advantage of. And maybe he does. Maybe if he makes the cut, you know, I think he was seven over, or, or he was six over. The cut was five, I believe. You know, it, who knows? Maybe he does what Patrick Reed does or something like that. Goes out and shoots five under on the weekend, gets himself back into this thing. Anything can happen. We've seen it from Justin Thomas. I'm willing to kind of just forgive and forget this missed cut because we've seen it. When when he misses the cut, he is usually very quick to bounce back. His last missed cut was Genesis, uh, 15th at the workday after that. The event after that, he won. Going back to his last missed cut, Travelers. His event immediately after, runner-up at the workday. That was a playoff loss, and then he won two starts after that. Uh, Sony Open misses the cut, finishes third the following week. Genesis misses the cut again, 
finishes sixth the following week. I mean, he just usually does not stay down for very long. So I'll be very interested to see as the week goes on um, what the ownership number on him checks in at and how we can uh, potentially use that to our advantage. Morikawa's here, uh, and he's getting dialed in. You know, he's got unfinished business here. He missed that really short putt in the playoff last year, probably thinks this is an event that got away from him. And if we just sort this by since the start of 2021, so I'm in the Holy Grail, the start of 2021, everybody in this field sort by strokes gained approach. Who's the number one player? Colin Morikawa, and it's not particularly close. Um, he has not been a good putter. We've, we've seen that. We know that from him, including losing uh, pretty significantly in – each of his last two measured starts. So that would have been the PGA Championship and the RBC Heritage. He was able to cash in top 10s on in both of those. The good thing about Morikawa is he's not a consistent loser with the putter. He has a couple of these weeks, you know, every so often, like he did at the workday earlier this year, uh, like he did at the Sony Open, where he gains three or four strokes putting, and that is almost like a guaranteed top 10 form. I mean, it's really incredible stuff. If you look at the entire, um, his entire career, which is, uh, admittedly small, his best putting weeks. And I'm not talking about when he, when he gains eight at the PGA championship last year and wins it like, like two and three strokes gain. That's all we're asking every time in his career that he has gained at least 2.9 strokes putting in a week. He's finished inside the top 10. He's done it one, two, three, four, five, six times. Um, he has three wins, a runner up and two seventh place finishes. It's, it's, it's unbelievable stuff. So, and he has the ability to do that. I just think it's a matter of being able to figure it out. He putted well here last year. Um, there's really no knocks against, against Colin Morikow. Patrick Reed is probably the guy that wins you all the money this week. Uh, and the reason I say that, not necessarily because he's a good play. I, I think he is a good play, but because the pricing at 10,300 is probably going to make him the least owned golfer up here. He is below uh, more. You could pay up and get Morikawa, Thomas, Spieth, just three studs, or you could pay down and get Berger, Zalatoris, and Answer, who I imagine are all going to be pretty popular. And Patrick Reed, already a very unpopular golfer, probably goes overlooked here. And if that's the case, and he's like your 5% owned stud or your 7% owned stud, he might be the guy that wins you all the money. So not only did he play well last week, but look at how he played well last week. And I'm just going to pull up the, the live leaderboard. And if you go over the final two rounds of this event, I always like to go back and look at this. I look at, I look at the last round, I look at the last two rounds, and I look at the last three rounds. Patrick Reed had the best weekend of anybody last week. He was five under on the weekend. He gained 6.7 strokes total over the final two rounds. It was better than literally everybody else in the field. He was one of the only few guys to shoot two rounds under par. I believe uh, Fowler did it, Scheffler did it, Finau did it. That might be it. Those might be the only guys who shot two rounds under par on the weekend. I think they are. And Reed was the best, five under. Um, so he is well-rounded. We talked about that kind of when we were doing the course key stats. I think he's going to be overlooked. His history around this event is 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 pretty good, right? Seventh place finished last year. He finished 15th back in 2016. That was the, the time that he had played this previously. So he's only played it four times in the last seven years or eight years. Uh, never missed a cut and his best finish was last year. So really interested to see how that ownership shakes out as well because he could be the guy that unlocks uh, quite a bit of this. And then Daniel Berger, you know, had one had one good round last week, three pretty ugly rounds. He makes the cut. He doesn't do much after that. He finished 75th. Um, 
I think it's I think he's fairly priced. Uh, Will Zalatoris at ninety nine hundred. Let's go down to the nine thousand dollar range. I'm not going to do this. We're not going to talk about every single player. But what Zalatoris is doing right now is pretty special, uh, especially because he's now played in three major championships and he's got a top 10 in all three of them. If you look at, um, I've got everybody in this field loaded in, strokes gained approach from the start of 2021. It's Morikawa, it's Spieth, Hoffman, Connors, Thomas, Zalatoris. Like absolute flushers. If we go back to since, um, I'm going to go back to September. Essentially, this since the U.S. Open, since Zalatoris came onto the scene, that's what I'm going back to here. Make sure I have this queued up right. I do. Um, only Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa have been better on approach than Will Zalatoris in this field. If we remove this field, he's still probably yeah he is he is still number third or number three of all guys on tour. Since Zalatoris made his debut, and Zalatoris has way more rounds than the two guys ahead of him, he's been this guy. I mean, it's really special stuff what he's doing right now. It's probably just a matter of time before he wins. Um, he's he's been a, a zero around the green player. He's been a zero putter. This is a, this is a pretty good trend for for Will Z. Uh, I really like the way he's going. He's got to figure it out on the on the putting surfaces a little bit better but he was a zero putter last week that if he does that a lot same thing with Colin Morikawa right if you're a zero putter you're going to win a lot of golf tournaments you know while we're while I have that kind of queued up let's just look at the 9k range you know since the start of 2021 this is always for me a really good time frame I can just sort by strokes gain total so we can find hey who are the best golfers and the first guy in the 9k range that pops up is Corey Connors 9400 of course he was your it feels like a decade ago but he was your first round leader at the PGA championship didn't play particularly well in the middle rounds but uh rallied on Sunday finished 17th and if this is not an on-brand Corey Connors I don't know what is uh now every event in 2021 he has gained strokes on approach every event in 2021 he's gained strokes ball striking nearly every event of 2021 he's lost strokes around the green and nearly every event of 2021 he's lost strokes putting um you know this could not be more on brand for Corey connors now the good news is in four of these what 12 starts that he's had this year he has gained strokes putting it's 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 possible in in three others he's been a zero so that's that's good to see uh that's essentially the type of week we're looking for and at a place like colonial that i do believe emphasizes or at least one of the paths to victory is really really good iron play um Connors is exciting I do worry about the short game stuff because that was also one of the more more important stats after Connors it's Joaquin Neiman 9300 um again almost a similar story great ball striking uh putter lets him down at times uh, Abraham answer the guy that I think is going to be incredibly popular is going to be third. So if you made me pick a, a Monday, I don't even want to call it a fade, but like I just assume answer is going to be the most popular guy here. He had that Sunday round that was incredible. Um, his last three finishes have been a fifth, a runner up and an eighth. So he's, he's trending. This is a really good spot for him. I cannot wait to see what this ownership looks like. Uh, there's a case to be made that if he is the most, you know, projected, highest projected uh, owned golfer here, it would be pretty easy, easy pivots to Connor Zalatoris and Neiman, but we'll have to see how that shakes out over the course of the week. But, but certainly no knocks against answer outside of a, outside of an ownership concern. The $8,000 range is really intriguing. Um, Justin Rose is 8,900. I would be uh, very worried about going back to Justin Rose. This is a place that, so, so here's what we've got going on. 
Uh, Rosie's not only won here, but he finished third last year. But my goodness, uh, let me pull him up real quick because you're going to see something that scares me half to death right there. 11.7 strokes gained putting last week. He lost strokes on approach. That 11.7 by far, by far the best putting performance in for him in my database. And actually, I can check. It might be one of the best in my database. Uh, let's just do that. Let's just look. So... So 11.7, let's get rid of Justin Rose. Yeah, it is a um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. It's the eighth best putting performance by anybody since the start of 2015, which is when my database goes back to. So we are talking about um, historic. And a lot of those other guys won the golf tournament. The fact that Justin Rose only finished eighth, gaining 11.7 strokes putting, I think is a testament to the rest of his game. Uh, that is certainly going to come back to earth. Now, can he summon some magic at Colonial because he's had such a good record here? Maybe, but this is this is fool's gold if you think he's going to gain another 11.7 strokes putting. So that would be a pretty big concern for me. Uh, and then I think there's some guys to, that we can buy on. You know, Charlie Hoffman continues. This this run for Charlie Hoffman has been phenomenal. You know, we can pull him up on on the golfer's profile here, which by the way, look at Phil. Look at Phil doing his thing. Um, you know, Charlie Hoffman, is getting better uh, seemingly every single year. And you look at some of his stats, he's ninth in strokes gained approach. He's 15th from Tita Green. He's 16th in strokes gained total this season. And here are his finishes. The last four, uh, no worse than 18th. He had a runner-up at the Valero. He's been piling up top 10s and top 20s all over the place. This has been an excellent stretch of golf for Charlie Hoffman, despite not having a... Uh, a trophy on the mantle to show for it. And listen, there's, there's always the Charlie Hoffman in Texas narrative, right? He tends to play well in Texas, tends to play well in Houston and Dallas and Fort Worth. And um, I think, I think a lot of people are just going to forget him this week. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's people are weird. Um, Going back to Ryan Palmer would also be interesting. Missed the cut last week. He has had a very, a mixed bag. I don't know what the word is for his, for his tournament history in the last. Uh, so let's go back to 2012. He has one, two, three, four different top tens, but he's missed the cut three times. Uh, and he's also finished 70th. So it's kind of been a mixed bag for Palmer, but coming off of that missed cut and then getting um, a price increase, I think is going to keep his ownership down. Phil Mickelson, Listen, Phil was great. He was phenomenal. I have spent the last two months describing Phil's metrics getting better and better. Did I think he could actually win the PGA Championship? No. Um, did I think he could contend a, a lot? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about Phil consistently, right? I mean, look at this stretch of golf. This is the same stretch of golf that I've been saying for two months looked a lot like the stretch of golf that he played in 2019 that included a win. Now, did I think that win could come at Pel or at... at um, at the ocean course, no, but he was phenomenal. Um, so, I, but I, I think it's time to take a week off of Phil, right? It, it's the emotional draining win. Uh, I think he's going to continue to play well. I'm not sure we have to go to him this week at the increased price, at the potentially increased ownership coming off of that victory. I, I just, I don't think we need to do it. As long as Phil continues to play well, there will be a, plenty of times and plenty of places to run him out. Congratulations, Phil. It is well-deserved. Obviously, your game, um, and I've been saying this for a long time, This it was not a flash in the pan. 
because his, his game was certainly trending in the right direction. So congratulations, Phil. Um, but we will take a, or at least I will take a pass on you for one more week. Mentioned Matt Wallace is kind of an all-around player here in the bottom of the $8,000 range. Um, Cameron Tringale, I'd consider going back to outside of, I mean, four holes. It was four holes that were his demise. Uh, he played four holes like a, like 13 over par or something like that on Friday. Um, yeah, weird, weird ejection. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, the $7,000 range. I don't love a lot in the $7,000 range. I, I liked the eight a lot more. And of course, everybody above that was pretty good. I'm just kind of looking around, even guys like Peter Uline, who I'm, I'm a believer in Peter Uline. I think that, um, you know, what he's done across uh, here in the corn Ferry, I think is really good. Uh, he's played well here the la- each of the last two years. He's got back-to-back top 15s. Even I think $7,500 is probably too expensive for him. Now, the, the, the problem is I don't really love the rest of this range. So if you were, if you were forcing me to pick someone in the $7,500 range I, and, and I was filling out my, the last spot in my lineup, it would probably go to Uline, even though I think he should, he should be closer to $7,000. But that's, that's just me. I, I think it's kind of a, a tough spot to be in. Uh, Matt Jones uh, continues to impress, right? Another, another made cut, another 30th place finish uh, last week at the PGA Championship. He's a grinder. I really like the way that he plays. But this is, this is a really tough stretch. So let's, let's do this. Let's rely, on, um, let's rely on the trends a little bit. So let's just do, so this is just straight up strokes gain. There's a lot of different ways I could do this, but let's do it since the start of 2020 and let's go and just sort by strokes gain and start finding guys in the $7,000 range. First man up, Chris Kirk, um, averaging 1.3 strokes gain per round. First man up in the $7,600 range, Matt Jones, Emiliano Grillo are next. Johnny Vegas, Brandon Grace, Cam Day. I'm not, I'm not super thrilled about any of these guys. Let's do a bit of a deeper dive on Chris Kirk. That might be interesting. Let's see what we have here. 19th around the green. Okay. If he's going to be um, proficient in one category, that would probably be a good one to be this week. Two missed cuts in a row. That's a little bit worrisome. Valspar in the PGA Championship. But before that, he had, he had two top 10s in a row. He had three top 10s in his previous five starts before that. Uh, plays okay at some difficult courses. API. Here's Bay Hill. It's okay. You know, maybe I'm like a five out of 10 in terms of excitement. Who else can we deep dive here in the 7,000? Oh, we could do Kucher. Let's do Kucher because I think, you know, he has flashed recently and this is a much better course for him than Kiowa was like by, by far much better. So here's Kucher's, uh, you know, the run at the match play, the 12th at Valero top twenties at the heritage and, Byron Nelson. Now he missed the cut at the Masters and the PGA Championship. I'm not as worried about that. Missed at the players as well, right? Like that's probably why I'm not running Matt Kuchar out at any big time events. But uh, he has improved off the tee. He's about a zero now. He has improved on approach. That's fine. His short game has gotten much better. I wouldn't. I would be okay with this. You know, running Kuchar out at a par seventy. That's not going to play too long with a five or six week stretch where he has actually improved in a range of golfers that is pretty weak. I don't mind that. Um, let's look up his, let's look up his history around here. Cause he's probably played this event a lot, right? Yeah, he has. So I've got the last 10 years loaded in here. He's missed the cut twice. Um, a runner up finish, a sixth, a 12th. It's been okay. I, okay. So I, I think, I think Kuchar for me, and I don't say this a lot, 
is interesting and, and, and certainly I wouldn't knock you for, for playing Cooch. The bottom of the 7K range is pretty uninspiring. I think Kevin Kisner will get a little bit of love, probably not from me. He's 7,200. He is, of course, a former champion here. He's missed five cuts in a row. Uh, didn't make it out of his group in the match play. I'm I'm worried. I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, I do think that... So here we go. We have, we have not talked about Doc Redmond in a while. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of signs of life from Doc. So the last time we saw him, so here's, here's the case for Doc. The last time we saw him was Byron Nelson, which he finished ninth. Great finish. We also could, we could argue there is a benefit to not playing the ocean course and not just getting absolutely smacked around uh, for four days and have to fly immediately to Fort Worth. Uh, there is a case to be made there. Now, the last time we saw him, he, he was looking like Doc again. You know, this, this is the blueprint for Doc. Be great off the tee, gain three strokes there. Um, I would probably prefer he be a little bit better on approach, but that's that's okay. And then a zero around the green, and he gained strokes putting. He has now gained strokes putting in two straight events in over his last six rounds. He has gained strokes off the tee in two of three. These are obviously small milestones, but they are much better than what he had been doing uh, to start to, to you know to finish 2020 and to start 2021. He's starting to resemble much more of what we saw during this stretch at the end of 2020. So I am cautiously optimistic about Doc Redman. He I would prefer that he was maybe a few hundred dollars cheaper. Maybe he was 6,900 instead of 7,200. But I don't think we can find uh, much else uh, to knock, especially in that price range. The $6,000 range um, is so bad that it actually might hinder you from making Stars and Scrubs lineups. Um, it is, it's pretty horrendous. Uh, Richie Warinsky is is kind of intriguing. He's not only made the cut last week, uh, 38th, but now in each, so his, his, he's made the cut in each of his last two top 40s at Wells Fargo, Quail Hollow, very difficult course. And of course the ocean course, very difficult. And then uh, the third place finish at the Zurich. So, so Warinsky at 6,800 is, is, is noteworthy. Um, the other guy, and we can continue to do this. Here's Vincent Whaley, 6,200 bucks. Uh, when he plays, he finishes between 26th and 34th. It's like five events in a row. No, it's more than that. Let's, let's look it up. Um, so here's Whaley. And again, this run has to stop eventually, but we're talking about, no missed cuts in his last three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine events. And in his last eight, he has finished between 15th and 36th in all of them. And he really hasn't moved much on the pricing. And now he's near min price. He's 6,200. So compare, compare that price with Will Gordon, who has now missed four consecutive cuts. They're both the same price. Compare it with... I mean, guys that are more expensive than Whaley is. Uh, again, this run has to has to come to an end at some point. Uh, but at sixty two hundred dollars in a very weak pricing tier, I mean, he's almost min. I mean, this is shameful for him to be this low. I think you need to certainly consider it. All right, let's run a model. I'm going to go over the lineup builder here. This is again on RickRunGood.com. Um, I've been having success with the last twenty four rounds. I don't think I'm going to stop that. I think that I think that's a really good. Way to look at it. All right, so let's do this. Uh, last 24 rounds, and man, this is this is actually going to be difficult because um, there's not really one thing that stands out. So I, I think we need to kind of spread these out a little bit, but I think we need to give an edge to around the green. So I'm going to do 20 around the green. Or I'm sorry, 25 around the green. I'm going to do 20 on putting. I'm going to do 15 off the tee and 15 on approach. Essentially a, a strokes gain total, but a weighted 
strokes game total. And it is actually um, saying short game is a little bit better. Now, I've got 25 left. Um, and I don't want to double up on these too much. But I think distance, while not a prerequisite, of course, is certainly always going to be a benefit. So let's put 10 there. And then I'm going to use my last 15 on birdie or better. Uh, what we actually see, even though this is not necessarily a birdie fest and it's not really a difficult, uh, you know, it's kind of right in the middle in terms of what I think the final score is going to be. Birdie or better uh, just in ter- just is, is so strongly correlated with fantasy points. So... Uh, you know, if you make a birdie, you make a bogey, you're a net winner in terms of fantasy points. So I, I'm I'm gonna always love that. It's it's probably the strongest correlated stat to fantasy points. So when you look at that, and we sort by the most valuable golfers. Oh boy. Okay. Well, no surprise. Jordan Spieth's number one. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Kind of a surprise. Matt Jones is number two. So let's look into this a little bit further. Jones is a small loser on approach in his last 24, but big time gainer around the green, gainer on, on the putting surfaces. T to, uh, uh, total, he's been great. $7,800. That's interesting. Matt Wallace is third. That shouldn't be that much of a surprise. He showed up at the very beginning of the episode where he was basically gaining strokes all around. So that shouldn't be that much of a surprise. Jason Kokrak. Okay. Um, you know, I skipped over Kokrak in the $9,000 range, but he is someone that I, uh, you know, played well. I think he played well three rounds last week. Sunday was really the only poor round that he had. I'm not going to blame him for having a poor round on a Sunday at a major championship, especially at a place where what six under won it. Um, so I'm certainly not going to blame him for that. And then Tringale. Okay. If I want to buy back in on Tringale at 81, Charlie Hoffman is 8,700. And then Justin Thomas rounds out my top seven or so. Uh, interesting. Okay. I'll have to look into these guys. Uh, Matt Jones was probably not as much on my radar as this would be as, as this, as this, model shows him to be what if i did let's do the last 16 rounds just to kind of do it a little bit tighter thomas okay so now now the big boys jump up here oops sorry i was sorted by i was sorted by salary of course the big boys jump up here uh hoffman gets a little bit of a boost i believe tringali gets a little bit abraham answer gets a big boost Vijegas gets a big boost. Varner gets a big boost. Snedeker gets a big boost. That Those are a little bit, and Woodland gets a big boost. Those are a little bit scary for me, but you understand. Uh, and Whaley, Whaley shows up as well. Um, you know, when you start shortening the time frame, you're certainly going to get more volatile results, which is kind of why I like to keep it at the 24. But okay, that is certainly thought-provoking and gives me a little bit of homework to go check some guys out. That'll do it for this DFS preview. Uh, I'll be back for a betting preview on Tuesday, two live chats on Wednesday, the live chat at 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's ownership, question and answer, anything you want. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, jock market, baby, stock market DFS, uh, both on rickrungood.com. No, not rickrungood.com. YouTube.com slash rickrungood. I think that's it. Best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.